0: previously on Almost Heroes.
1: Well, last time, Glenn knocked Rangrim in his pocket rocks and then wandered off for what we thought was pain. But then his eyes started doing that on-off thing where you can't tell if someone's home or not. And then he started talking to himself. So clearly, we knew he was visited by his not-so-nice patron, who knows that we intend to do something with his hand. And it's not, uh... And, uh... It wants to fight it. But first we need to find the Dust Forge before we can go lopping this thing off. We decided to head to Ask Around in Rockdale before heading off blindly. Reynolds seemed like a great place to start to me, who was finally starting good remodel for the inn. He offered me a tidbit of information, sending me over to the Molten Hilt. Not wanting to show up empty-handed, Reynolds peculiarly offered me a keg. After meeting Grom the Half-Giant, I understood why. Telling him my purpose for seeking out the forge, he shared with me what he knew and its general direction. Arriving back to camp, Glenn was fighting with his magic sword, and Rangrim was just waking up from his nap. Aldo came into camp to wish us a farewell, and being the softy I am, I offered him some of my weapons. Rangrim gave him some oversized weapon. Hope that doesn't fare in the same when Glynn gave him a weapon. Uh, Glynn gave him back the bag of fake coins that he stole, but he didn't tell him they were fake. And then as a last bit of excitement, we had our forms made into a statue alongside Baldur. Reckoned we would likely see him in Goldbrick again for the continuation of the tournament, or possibly be back next year to defend our title. Bearing an awkward hug from Baldur, Reimbrim beckons it was time to go. Glynn felt the need to repay the soothsayer, and then, fi- and then it finally happened we left Rockdale getting back on the road Rangrim gets us going down a less travelled path but the donkeys seem to have a fresh hitch in their giddy up spending the day on the road Glynn <laughs> is back reading that weird book he found and Rangrim is enjoying travelling with his girls coming to a stone tunnel we encountered a pair of trolls Glynn dispatched them with a sly minor illusion causing them to fight each other as we slipped by Coming through the other side, we see two Moradin statues, and we reckon we're on the right path. Continuing on ahead up the mountain, dusk begins, and we see a green flash and an ambient purple glow, and sp- inspiring hope. But Rangrim's hand fights back more. Coming to the peak of the mountain, we arrive at a massive anvil surrounded by radiant purple lights and runes with a massive war forge, with symbols of Moradin. As he said... It's about time.
2: Thank you very much, Bobby. Uh, with that, that brings us to episode 49, Dusk and Dawn. So, welcome back. We pick up with the Almost Heroes having just arrived at what they assumed to be the fabled Dust Forge. After traveling southward, southwest... Uh, from Rockdale up into the Spina Peaks. So to describe again what you all are kind of have come across, you've traveled along this ridgeline that kind of is going towards the higher peaks of the Spina Peaks to the southwest. Uh, to your right hand side, you can see the uh, the ocean, like actually like the ocean to your to the west. Uh, I. I believe it's the Chelgami deep, which is that direction. Uh, and in front of you, as you're kind of like getting closer to this glowing purple light, you eventually come across this peculiar scene, this anvil, this massive anvil that is just covered in uh, Dwarven symbology and runes. And then the, um, the ground itself, like this anvil glowing this like bright purple luminescent color, the ground itself is covered in this like massive Circular symbol that is just covered in runes as well. And there's just like the purple light is illuminating all of these symbols on the ground in this kind of like circular sigil. Uh, and then kind of behind that, you can see that there's like kind of a door, this like large, uh, like rounded doorway that seems to go into the peak itself, like where it's been carved out of, um, you know, this kind of like stone doorway. And then standing right where, right next to that anvil, who has been hammering on it with this massive, like oversized forge hammer, uh, in one hand, and then kind of like these tongs in the other, you see this monstrous war forge that's probably a good like nine to ten feet, and it's just like as broad as it is tall, massive, and this like gold, like this gold color, like pretty much gold bronze, the entire thing. Uh, and it's just like covered in runes and has these like massive head pauldrons on its shoulder. And as you all are approaching it, it turns to you and says, "It's about time. Welcome to Morden Shield." And that is where we're going to pick up there. So, what the hell do you all do?
0: Um, and random just like looking back at Glenn. You're talking to us, you're waiting for us oh, it's about time.
2: Well uh, not you all then particular, but you all are here on a pilgrimage, of course, right?
0: Yes, and that's right. Cosmo on the back. Is't that right, Cosmo?
1: A pilgrimage Yes. if by oh. pilgrimage you mean looking for the dusk forge.
2: Of course, why, what else would you be here? Two dwarves traveling coming to the dust forge? Of course, you're on a pilgrimage yes, yes,
1: uh I am Cosmo. who are you?
2: I think that you see the this large figure kind of like set down the hammer and like the thing whatever they're like they've been hammering that's like bright orange on this on this uh, it's, purple anvil he kind of sets his hammer down kind of across it and the tongs leaning against the anvil and like starts walking over to you like the ground itself is kind of shaking with the weight of this figure and as he's getting closer you're realizing just how big this figure is kind of looking up at them uh you know being like a good eight feet in width and like 10 about 10 feet tall uh and they kind of walk over to you and they just kind of like look down and goes well i haven't been asked my name in a while but I am the keeper of Morden shield, also known colloquially as the Dusk Forge. Didn't quite make it through that one.
3: I, uh, can Glenn do an arcana check, I guess, to see if this seems like divine magic or if this might be something more akin to what we saw in Ebon Depths?
2: More akin or Moradin? Yeah, for sure. More, we can more, do that. more
3: akin to Moradin. Yeah, for sure. Oh, wow. Nat 20, but a total of 23. Holy shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
2: Wow. Okay. Yes. Um, ooh, this is good. I think that, ooh, this is really good for Glenn. Great job on doing this. Uh, <laughs> Glenn, you've been studying that book that you got from, uh, that you uh, got from, oh my God, what was his name? It was the brother, oh, I can't remember. Which brother? It was the it was the Dragonborn brother in the Docs. What was Doc, Doc? Yes, okay. Doc's journal. You were studying Doc's journal. You've been looking into a lot about necromancy. You get strong feelings of necromancy off of this off of this figure. Um, you do not get divine uh, anything from this from this armor. You get a feeling. You get a, like the feeling of necromancy.
3: Sweet. Mm-hmm. I do nothing with that. I keep that to myself
2: for the time being. So, where are where do you all hail from? If you're traveling, I you are surprisingly one of the first to make a pilgrimage here, but I expected it to happen with time. It's there's much to do.
0: How? Well, yeah, there's definitely um, much to do, In, indeed.
2: I still
1: didn't catch
0: your name, mate.
2: He, as you say that, he kind of like. Looks over at you and doesn't like he kind of freezes for a minute as if he's trying to remember. Oh, it's been a while since I've someone has asked me that or I've had anyone to talk to. If I can remember properly, yes, Melvin, that's what it was. Melvin Strongtoe. How, uh, how long have you been here, Melvin? I, this might be a conversation to have inside the Forge, if, if you all would be so kind as to join me. Well, uh, uh, yes,
1: yeah, I suppose we will. Uh, we'll park the donkeys here.
3: Is, is the Forge big enough for all of us to fit, I actually? Did we see a building? I thought it was like an all-exterior. Is it mainly outdoors?
2: Yeah, so there's a big circular sigil on the ground with the anvil in the center of it, uh, pretty large, like, like, I would probably say it's encompassing most of the peak of this mountain. So probably like a good 100 feet across. Um, And there is a what is kind of like, so it seems like most of this peak has been cleaved off, cleft off, uh, and then kind of, you can see that the rest of the peak is still there. And it has like this kind of uh, rounded do- stone doorway that's got like it. carved into it that you can see like likely goes into some sort of interior. Whether got that's it. like all on one surface or whether it goes down into the mountain, you don't know.
3: Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Uh, I mean, I I agree. We could probably tie our girls up out here, but uh, we did just kind of run across two potentially hungry trolls. We might want to maybe bring them inside.
2: There is limited room inside the inside the forge, but the dusk, the I this sigil here will be active for another few hours, and its protection will keep anything outside of it safe. You have my guarantee. If you, as long as they are within this sigil of protection, nothing will harm them.
3: That it's very convenient. Let's do it.
2: Seems good.
1: Right on. And uh, I guess we park and get out of the get off the cart uh,
3: Glynn is very slow to get off the cart and is 100% following the dwarves lead Glyn does not know what to make of this
0: well Rengrum is like hopping directly off the cart and mm-hmm. following uh, Melvin right mm-hmm. And but he's just kind of like awestruck with all the giant forge things happening like this is like you know very much like a kid in a candy store type situation Like <laughs> right all the stuff is super cool to him and he's just like kind of like shell-shocked at the moment looking at looking around at everything as he's just kind of following melvin
2: yeah um yeah so I, I think that once you all like kind of are you know pull the cart forward and and, and melvin like can see that you all are you know, following him he kind of uh, leads the way over to the door and uh, as he's going he actually picks up that uh, that giant forging hammer and those tongs and kind of like just holds them in one hand uh, and is heading over to the door and puts his hand on it and you see it alight with that kind of like all the runes alight with that same kind of purple color and the door it kind of comes apart and starts moving in these ways where kind of like it sinks in on itself and slides to the side as if it's made of like individual components almost at like some sort of gears within this thing that's actually like deconstructing the door in front of you rune by rune and the door is like pulling itself apart and sliding into the pieces on the side of it where eventually there is just a big opening in front of you that's probably like you probably could bring the cart in but it would probably be a little bit uh, of a tight fit um but it's a pretty large door
3: I'm good with them outside. Yeah, okay. it seems kind of like a holy place, Glenn would, uh, Glenn would uh take the take the reins and let uh, Rangrim just full-blown toddler mode follow. Um,
1: <laughs> you said that the warforge had like dwarvish Morden runes on him.
2: Yes, and not only that, he also you can see that the pauldrons, the faces on the pauldrons on his shoulders, these massive pauldrons are like very they are a very clear indication of like a very similar to the statues of morden you would have seen uh, like like the actual heads on these shoulders like yeah. this thing is covered in like morden symbology
1: is are the runes like on the ground that we see and the ones that are on the building are those runes of morden as well
2: uh yes not all of them there's a lot of just like magical runes in general but there are there is like moradin mythology like a symbology around as well so like
3: in
1: the
2: magic runes is also some yeah okay. okay
1: um
2: strangely enough i will say that strangely enough the this the runes of moradin are not active they're not the ones that are glowing with the the purple light right it's the other ones
1: yes got it okay
2: and if so- anyone oh sorry i was gonna say if anyone wants to do any arcana checks or religion checks or anything like that for more information like just feel free to kind of pop those in at, at will
3: yeah i'll be doing that periodically but i'll, I'll wait until we're a little farther along
4: cool. yeah for sure
3: um
1: so keeper you say you're the keeper of morden's shield what what
2: is that Uh, I think as he's, as he's walking, I think let's, let's do this. Like, let's say this is a kind of a walk and talk as you all are walking into this space. Um, So I'll give you a little bit of description of what's going on here. So like, as you walk through these front doors, you're seeing that this place is all pretty much ambiently lit by uh, like this glowing purple, these like purple lanterns that mimic the, the purple light that is outside. Uh, and you're walking into this entryway chamber that is, there's like four pillars kind of like lining the, the entryways you're walking straight through. And there's kind of these like fountains on the side of you that both are pouring, uh, what looks like molten lava that is basically like what would be normal fountains coming out of the wall, but instead of water, they are lava. Um, and straight ahead of you, you can see that there is a kind of through this antechamber there is what looks like a giant stone table uh that's kind of taking up this room ahead of you uh kind of in the center and as you're walking into towards this stone uh this stone table uh melvin answers you and well of course you know what morden's shield is you made a pilgrimage here this this you are now that you are now inside of is morden's shield the dusk forge itself is the Shield of Morden.
1: How did it end up here in Sokol? And I guess I'm confused.
2: Um, Roll, I think he's looking at you a little bit in uh, a little bit of confusion, too. He kind of turns to look at you as he's walking into this chamber with the stone table in the center of it. And kind of, there's not a chair big enough for him. Uh, which kind of seems out of place. Like, you notice that one. That's one thing. He seems big in this space. Everything is dwarf-sized. Mm-hmm. Uh, he seems very, very large for the space. Um, and he kind of walks over to the side and is just standing there kind of by the table uh, as if he's expecting you all to sit down, but uh, you don't have to. What, what do you mean you don't know how it got here? Morton shield has always been here. As his hammer has been.
1: Um a history check, I guess. I don't even know if I would know that or believe. Yeah,
2: that. no, go for it. Yeah,
3: can I I would like to insight check him. Yeah, I mean I was also gonna say I would've insight <laughs> checked the crap. Yeah. Of
2: yeah.
3: Uh, fifteen on my insight. Okay. What do you got, Dan? Uh insight. I'm thinking I'm good at those, right? Yeah, you probably have much better. I also got a seven,
0: fifteen. I maybe. rolled seven. Yeah.
3: Okay. Damn. Um, you, you wise as hell. History
0: check. Um,
1: the hammer is see here. here. Hold on. Sorry,
2: I was looking at something
1: else. Uh, history check is an 18.
2: OK, awesome. So I'll start with the insights. Um, I think that you feel like this person is absolutely on the level. He seems incredulous with the fact that these dwarves don't know about this uh, or, or that like what he's talking about. Uh, Cosmo, I think that you remember growing up in Golden Grimm, you remember hearing stories of dwarves traveling, like making pilgrimages across the ocean to these fabled forges and what you remember about it is that this was kind of a final journey for like master craftsman dwarves to make this pilgrimage to forge their like ultimate like weapons like these you've heard stories of these like legendary craftsmen dwarves that like traveled and made this this very special pilgrimage to craft these like these weapons that were like literally the like the encompassing of their entire Uh, like their entire journey as someone who created items like their penultimate penultimate items
4: Mm.
1: well sorry was that the end of it and then i can respond
2: no i was just gonna leave a really long pause there and start talking again
1: oh okay okay i just (laughs) want to make sure (laughs) (laughs) um well i guess i mean i knew that they were here but after everything kind of went away, I guess I would have just disappeared.
2: You're not wrong. The Dusk Forge sat vacant. Morden's shield sat unprotected and sealed for many years after the fall of Morden. I... I found myself across the sea with kind of a loss of purpose and once realizing that these were sitting vacant and needed a keeper. I took it upon myself to reclaim the Dusk Forge and rebolster and restart Morden's Shield.
3: So you've uh, you've been here since since the Sundering, at
2: least. Yes, shortly after the Sundering, I I headed to reclaim the Dusk Forge. How did you find it? The same way any dwarf finds this place. It's second nature. It's something that's imbued within us, but I had a general inkling of where it was. I also know where Morden, Morden's hammer is as well.
1: Is that another forge as well?
2: Of course. Not heard of the Dawn Forge.
1: Well, I... I've heard of the Dawn Forge, but I guess I didn't realize they were the one and the same. When we came after the Thundering, I uh, I didn't even think about it. I guess I was so locked up and my father was just disowning everything of and feeling abandoned, that uh, I forgot, forgot
2: about it. I wouldn't beat yourself up about it. I mean, you're here now and as I said there's much to be done. The though I have been able to reclaim the dusk forge and relight the anvil, we will not be able to I have not been able to access any kind of like points to uh like kind of further down the hallway. I haven't without the dawn forge being active and the anvil being lit there as well. We don't have access to the armories or any of the master vaults that actually contain any of the weaponry created by the master dwarves of our, of our past. So there is still work to be done.
1: So the Dawn Forge is not active?
2: The Dawn Forge is, as far as I know, still sealed. It needs a keeper. I am not, I am not able to leave the Dusk Forge as I am bound to it but there are rumors of corruption and darkness at the other fortune. I was hoping that someone would travel here that would be able to potentially reclaim it and relight the anvil.
0: Well, that um, definitely sounds more up my alley than the usual uh, stuff that I've been doing with, with, with these guys. Um, it's like a proper dwarf quest. Isn't that
3: right, Cosmo? Glenn, you, you love it, don't you? Uh, d- this seems so far up your guys' alley, it's not even comfortable for me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you've
0: already got my attention. I I, I did come here on a pilgrimage of sorts. Um, but, I mean, you look uncomfortable a minute, And Rengrim's going to cast Fabricate. And I'm going to make him a chair out of the stone that fits his giant body.
2: Fuck. Yes. Awesome. Um, Yeah. Let's say that. Yeah. Let's say that behind him, there was some sort of like, I don't know, freestanding chimney or something like that. Like a little fireplace that would go to the outside and maybe you're able to like mold it, mold it out of that. What does this chair look like?
0: So I imagine it would be similar in like this type of ornateness of his like own body and it almost fit him like as you know big metal guy he almost fits into it like two machined pieces that will like snugly fit into it
3: cool perfect yeah. perfect like butt divot
0: yeah just <laughs> perfect cheek that's amazing <laughs> almost perfect. hard for him to get out of because it's like machined so perfectly it creates suction.
2: <laughs> it's and what's great too is like because his like his angles of this warforge are so like kind of like there's there's points and stuff coming off of him it's not a flat seat by any way like it's kind of like no. a little bit jagged would be super uncomfortable for any like mortal clearly, being to sit in it
1: clearly fit for only one yeah um, any
3: other flesh would hate it
1: yep. <laughs> yeah you just you, you'd get a rock in your butt no matter how you not die. compatible with flesh at no, all
3: absolutely not
4: okay. where uh
3: where where is this Dawn Forge? We uh, obviously knew exactly where to go for this pilgrimage that we're on. Where, where do we find the Dawn Forge? I, I lost that in my other pilgrimage notes.
2: Dwarves in the past would come from far and wide and travel from either to the Dawn Forge first or to the Dusk Forge uh, first and would then head directly to the next. If you're coming from the west, you would hit the Dawn Forge. If you're coming from the east and if you're sorry if you're traveling from the west you would hit the dusk forge and if you're traveling from the east you would hit the dawn forge it's nestled safely atop uh, what i believe is called the ebon ridge a son of the, a bitch <laughs> to the
3: east sorry Glenn says son of a bitch
2: high atop that volcanic mountain the dawn forge sits sealed and safely waiting its reclaiming
0: well wow. Uh We have been there, right? No, we haven't.
1: That was, been that was there. the place with um. Mm-mm. No, that was close. We was headed into it. We were near it, right?
3: We went. We went under it. We need now to go over it. Yes. You was... guys think Gert
0: knows where it is.
3: Boys, it looks like we're going back to Tin Town.
0: <laughs> right. But, I mean, <laughs> it is on the way. It's. <laughs> yes. So.
1: The Dawn Forge needs to be re-relit. Where does Morden fit into all of this?
2: Before, before Morden's fall, there was an additional level of power that was granted to the Dusk Forge and the Dawn Forge. Morden's power itself was channeled through this place and powered and bolstered any weapon that was created here. At this time, there's only a remnant, kind of the arcane level of power that still was here from the, the dwarven arcanists that were here from before. And there still is some residual power. The, any weapon that is crafted here at the, Dawn For- at the Dusk Forge, dear Lord, these are extremely similar to each other. Uh, any weapon crafted here at the Dusk Forge will gain an additional level of power at night. Anything created. And if you were to take that same item, which would have been done during the time when Morden was in power when there was pilgrims going from the Dusk Forge to the Dawn Forge. Once you crafted it at both places, it would have that same level of power, whether it was day or night.
1: Right. So
3: uh... it makes immediate, really intense eye contact with Rangrim. It's just straight shooting. Like, start making shit.
0: Well, <laughs> um, so I got. Okay, I have a couple of questions. Um, you'll have to forgive for, forgive me. I'm not from. like well, this. I'm not from the surface. I don't know if you can tell that by my, my face and whatnot. I'm not the same color as him. I'm a bit grayer and duller in the face. Um, my my family was some of the last of the Dwergar that still still worship Morden in secret. How be it? And most, many of these things were lost to my, my family. So a lot of this is news to me, but um, I did come here for a, a more direct reason. Um, I heard you also, well, it seems like a stupid question now, but you had good information on the machinations of war forgers and how to... Uh, you know, make them do that thing that you're doing right now?
2: Yes, I have worked on and understand in depth the machinations of the war-forged biology, and I can uh, repair and, and whatever I need to do can craft the style of, machines and uh, machinations that I would need to uh, create a war fortune to repair them. What is it that I can do for you? You seem to be, you know, I don't see any war forges upon you.
0: Well, um, so when, in, in when the sundering happened and I fled the underdark, um, I called out to Morden in prayer and something else answered and it's had it's uh, ruddy little claws in my brain. Ever since then, Uh, and he unwraps his hand and, Mm -hmm. like, shows Melvin the red eye burned into it.
2: Yeah, the red eye that's absolutely burning, like, forge hot at this point. Hot to the, like, if your other hand was near it, it would be kind of, like, heat coming off of it, like a a burner on a stove that's been left uh, unattended. (laughs) And I think that, like, Rangir, you're still feeling that just, like, searing kind of anger and almost just like not just anger but just like hurt and like pain that's like in the back of your head like and like that's kind of like you're ignoring it and you're like you're you're kind of focusing on like your task at hand but like it is in the back of your head and very much trying to make itself present
0: so as he shows him his hand he's kind of like wincing and like grinding his teeth to the point where it's like almost audible Mm -hmm. to the people around he's like really really biting down as he's like trying to form his sentences without going crazy and trying to kill everyone Uh so um I was hoping that maybe if we just cut my hand off and replace it with this one and he pulls out the warforged hand because um, I didn't think it was that great of an idea well actually I thought it was a wonderful idea at first but then I started thinking it was not too great of an idea but the closer I get to doing this the more the stuff in my head keeps telling me that I shouldn't do it. And then I'm going crazy. So I'm kind of thinking it is the right idea.
2: Hi. And he, he, just kind of, uh, he kind of just looking at you and kind of like they don't, I mean, obviously it's just a, it's just like a Morden mask, essentially on this per, on this, on this being. It's so like, it's not showing any kind of emotion, but they just have reached their arm out and put their, this like monstrous hand on your shoulder in this gesture of kind of like solidarity, I, I'm so sorry to hear that. When you called to Morden, they weren't able to answer or didn't, and something else took their place and pretended a farce to take advantage of you in your situation, and moment of need. I, I can understand that. I've been through plenty myself, and when Morden, when I needed Morden, he was there for me and provided me with this body that you can see here, but I, I would be happy to help you. I believe I have most of the knowledge required to do such a task. I don't know what power is in that hand or if it's spread further than that, but do the knowledge that I lack is the ability to attach it to your your form i i i know the magic to bind it but the actual skills it would take to attach such a thing to the ligaments and the the organic part of you i I, that's something i don't have as much experience with i
0: i would be happy to try i'm like i'm kind of a healer of the group as well it's kind of my my thing a little bit um and it will not be the first time I had to stitch myself to something or stitch something of me back to
2: me. Well, I appreciate your enthusiasm. It's been quite a while since I've had someone with your level of angst in here I, and fire. I think that I think we might have everything we need. Are well, you sure this is what you want?
0: Well, so you're saying well, you don't know what kind of power it's going to give me uh, it might not even fix this whole thing, but we're pretty sure the hand will still work after, right?
2: I can promise that I will do my best, and I am fairly confident that we can, at the very least, get it functional.
0: Well, um, that's about the uh, only reassurance I needed, and he just kind of looks over at Glenn, just what does Glenn's
3: face look like right now? Exactly like my face right now. Just <laughs> trying to see what words you say next.
2: Um, he looks over at uh, Glenn. He kind of looks over at you and kind of sees the, the ear wig that you have kind of like over your, your ear. And uh, kind of like he catches his eye for a second. He's looking at it and kind of like gets up from his chair and kind of like stumps over to Glenn a little bit. Maybe uncomfortably close and is kind of looking at you. That's... A unique item. Is that. Is that some sort of automaton? Is Did you build this yourself? Oh, this is
3: a, a gift from a friend. Uh, tinkered with it a little bit. Added... Uh, it originally had two wings and now has three wings. Third wing doesn't actually do anything. But, you know, I've, I've played with it here and there. Built some small machinations, but here. And takes it off his ear and kind of like places it in his giant gauntlet. <laughs> yeah.
2: I like the brass on the brass. I like that. Um, And he's kind of holding on to it. because let's... This is beautiful craftsmanship. I, if you had, I was wondering if you had made it, um, the more delicate creation of this, this type of automaton is more what I would be needing. As you can tell these, he's like shows his like big hands. He's, he says, these are a little bit difficult to do the more intricate work that will be required.
3: Well, uh, maybe we'd be able to get, get this connected and, go to the original maker of these, but I have the uh, the comfort at least to maybe at least take a crack at it. If you think you can make it functional, I can at least try some of the fine-tuning. We can see what happens. I mean, worst-case scenario, he gets to keep his hand and it keeps attacking us. Best-case scenario, he has kind of a cool metal stub for a little bit. It's fair. Rangram, what do you think? you want me to take a crack at it worst case scenario we go to pop rooms like i already got a
0: up. sleeve rolled up and it's like oh, i thought we were all on the same page here am i jump it jump in the shock is that the, is that the term
3: why don't we uh, uh no. why don't we quickly before we start removing any body parts why don't you give me a little bit of time to at least look over madge's handiwork i don't think i've really taken a lot of time to dive into the the arm you're working looking to attach why don't you give me some time to see if i can't make myself a little bit comfortable with maybe some of the connection points and
0: well that's that's a fair point um and i you guys should probably look at this and he pulls out the arm and would hand it to glenn and melvin
3: melvin do you feel like taking a first crack at this happy to look after you i feel like you uh need to get just as comfortable
2: of course of course um and he uh he's going to do an investigation on it he is kind of inspecting it rolling it over in his hand looking at the craftsmanship looks extremely pleased with the craftsmanship uh and this uh this isn't dwarven made i can tell that there's some differences there but clearly whoever crafted this has learned from the dwarves most specifically from golden grim it seems it's kind of their own flavor on it I don't recognize this metal it's made out of but it's it seems seems like this should be able to bind with the magic that will be required to connect it to your living essence at the very least kind of gets well, back towards. the going good things
0: right so are we doing this thing
3: Glenn's going to set it down and uh, put it down on the table and kind of take some more time. And he's going to try to just really kind of figure out the the mechanics that would make like the wrist and the fingers move.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, I imagine it'd be like small pressure points or something, small like pistons. Yeah. But he would also put the earwig that he has and the brooch, the clockwork uh, fay fly, and just mm-hmm. try to like study one piece to study the others just to get as much comfort around this as possible
2: okay um what i need from you is uh what have we rolled in the past we can i think we can do investigation if you'd like to or we can do anything intelligence based for tinkering and i want to give you advantage on it because of the fact that you've been reading doc's journal i think that that is very specifically about this so i think that you get advantage on this role sweet
3: uh
2: 16 total or 16 was the highest. Okay. Um, Yeah. I think that, I think that with that, you get a very good understanding of how this works. And like, you can see, okay. Like from, as far as connecting this thing to like different potential parts of like the arm. And I, I think that you can, you can, you are starting to get an understanding of how potentially it could connect. Uh, and and there's going to be some like small intricate work you're going to have to do. But at the same time, you're a very dexterous individual and you've worked on small intricate things in the past. And I think from literally, and not to get too like grotesque, but going through uh, Doc's journals, like especially reading on some of the parts where they were the kind of mechanical modifications that were done to Willie, which was kind of like a, a, a Goliath who had been added on a bunch of like metal components to them in the way that they were able to tie them into his kind of like, body not in the same way that this will be um in a more they i think dox was a little bit more necromancy a little bit more uh rudimentary in what he did uh but i think that you have a pretty good understanding of how that can be done uh even in a very like brutal way
3: okay um yeah so glenn after like kind of studying it looks over to Rangrim. he says i i think i have pretty good idea of how we can do this as long as the the magic's there that's that's the only piece that i don't quite understand but i think our friend melvin's got this cosmo any last feedback of intelligent (laughs) apprehension
1: uh no i guess the only question is is uh was you gonna cut it or me
3: let's say we roll for it (laughs) okay
1: that's literally the best. I- I'm good for that, Whew,
3: man. Just straight D twenty. Uh, yeah. I feel like that's the best way to to do this. All right, three, two, one, roll. Ooh, it's pretty good. Sixteen. Ooh, yeah, way better than me. I got a five. Sweet, sweet. Rock, paper, scissors, or whatever it might be in RP world. Um, yeah, and so, Glenn. Glenn looks over to Rangham's like. There's uh, no really going back once we do this. I mean, you uh, got some magic to reattach the arm, but I feel like this is kind of a crossroads. You sure you want to do this?
0: Uh, yeah, it's probably the best idea. But um, hey, um, Melvin, uh, you probably don't want us to do this like in here, right?
2: I was just going to say this is probably not the best place for it. We should go to the actual into the underforge and there is a workshop there that is designed specifically to work on warforge and machinations let's go down below if you could follow right, me good.
0: i don't want to like bleed out before we attach it that would be stupid yeah it'd be real <laughs> stupid
2: that
3: would be hilarious
2: that'd <laughs> be wicked stoops uh y'all so they uh you uh melvin kind of getting up realizing the uh immediacy in which this is this is happening which kind of takes it by a surprise because you can tell this Is a figure that probably doesn't do things very quickly, very often, kind of takes his time, has lots of time, and has had lots of time to himself for a while now. Uh, Gets up and kind of with a little bit more hitch in his giddy up, uh, heads further down the hallway, Um, kind of you see, like as he's walking down this hallway, you see this monstrous vault door. Uh, And on the front of it, you can see that there is, there's two symbols. There's one of a shield and there's one of a hammer. And the shield is lit up in the purple light. The hammer is completely like not lit up. It's just dim. Mm. Uh, and you can see that that is what's on the front of this, this massive vault door that doesn't have anything else. It literally just has the two symbols, doesn't have a, a handle, anything like that.
4: Okay.
2: Uh, and kind of he walks to the side of it uh, and you can see that there are staircases kind of leading down on either side of this vault. Uh, and he starts heading down the staircase that is a little bit, uh, it's a little bit Cramp for him. I think that, uh, but he heads down and it kind of seems to go down and then kind of curve back around. Uh, and as you all come out the other side of this staircase, uh, that kind of heads down, I would say probably a good, I mean, it, it kind of heads down and it comes back around. I would say you probably went down like a good 20 feet. Uh, you get to, you get into this room that is just heat ambient heat kind of hits you immediately you can see that on the other side of this big chamber that probably mimics the overall size of the space above it's all pretty much round and on the far side of the room you can see a monstrous like face of moradin that's carved out of stone and its mouth is just pouring lava into a pit below it. Um, and in the center of the room, you can see that there is an anvil that is also glowing with that purple light. That is almost exactly a mimic of the one up above, uh, and you can see that along the walls there are these different like workbenches that Rangrim. I think you can recognize pretty quickly are like okay, these are for different disciplines of craftsmanship. Like you know, for for swordcraft, there's for like for armor. There's like there's there's one that you can see like you can see different pieces of like gears and. Uh, like any kind of like Warforged component of like creating like any kind of actual like automaton or a machine. I mean, you can see these kind of different discipline workshops, workspaces around this kind of circular wall. And then they're just like, they're like smaller sub, sub-anvils around as well. But like, I mean, like you said, this is the Toys R Us of, uh, of forging and creating of items.
0: Rangram's still just like looking over at like stuff and like he's trying his best not to like pick stuff up and like touch it.
4: I Uh, still think he has
0: a lot of that uh, red hand in the back of his head, like making him hate his life right now. Like, yeah, absolutely. Ever like bleeding from the ears type (laughs) headache.
3: Absolutely. So Glenn's not doing what Rangram's doing by not touching things and Glenn is looking and just like. (laughs) just like picking up tools and trying to like get like a feel for things Mm -hmm. and he's uh more or less working through the weapon side of the house and trying to find just something nice and like something that would be like a good wedding stone something that might be able to (laughs) sharpen a blade extra finely relatively quickly Mm -hmm. and he's going to pick up like the the nearest wedding stone that he finds and he's going to pull one of one half of adna's scimitar and start just sharpening the sefirium blade on it and just make it as razor thin as possible um and then once once he feels like it's nice and sharp he's gonna pull out a piece of like notebook paper and just kind of like drop it and have it land on the sword and it just kind of like splits perfectly i think if uh any time to do it's gonna be
2: now um pick a desk Melvin, Melvin walks over towards the uh, over where you're at kind of over by the the like, what you can tell is like working on like machinery and tinkering like that sec that that workshop area that that area, and he kind of like walks over, uh, maybe like a good five, six feet in front of it and kind of like puts his foot on the ground and stomps it a little bit heavier. And you see this Basically, this like big piece of what looks like wood, like think like a big I-beam that's like a foot by one foot kind of comes out of the ground and like lifts up to about what would be like dwarven waist height. And you can see that there are like marks in it from like things being like, uh, like basically practicing of blades and like anything that had to be cut, not on like a hard surface like stone. And kind of, a, it's, there is just like literally a one foot by one foot wooden block that is now at about, uh, about maybe like mid, mid waist height, uh, for, uh, for our dwarves.
3: Bregan, and this is you. Well,
0: um, how do, how do normal people do this? Like, should I say something? Like, I don't think anything about the situation is
3: remotely normal. It's not normal, okay.
0: This is and not so an above
3: ground weird. thing. We don't we don't really do this up here. This is if anything We wider. don't do
0: this in the underdark either, but I mean they do it, but usually people getting their limbs cut off and what usually don't want it to happen.
3: They usually don't get an extra really cool metal limb to replace they it. They definitely <laughs> don't get that. There's
0: no door prices if it happens down there. It's usually just for, for for someone else's kicks. Well, I guess now's as good a time as any, and he just puts his arm on the block and I forget how big did we, is the hand just like a hand? Is it like to the wrist or was it like half of the forearm? Yeah, I think
2: that there, I think that, yeah, I think it's like probably, it's a little bit past the wrist, I I think. And I I think that the way Madge designed it was that she didn't know exactly how much arm you were going to need. And so I think she connected like probably a good, like this much wrist onto it, but it was like sectional. So if you wanted to adjust it, you could, by removing some of those pieces.
0: All right, well, um hey glenn you got like something i could like bite on that's not just like my teeth because i don't have any warforged teeth if i like break them
3: yeah no imagine
0: it's gonna feel too good
3: well first why don't you give me with just like some charcoal or something draw a line where you want me to cut that way (laughs) i i can at least know exactly where to aim
0: um yeah uh He's just gonna pick something up and be like, oh, "Right, right about there." I'm gonna like put the other hand next to he picks it. Picks up a
2: knife and just cuts it right across. Oh god, And it falls okay, off. right there.
3: And as he's as he's doing that, I just reach in my pocket and I pull a nightcap and I squeeze it in his face.
2: Okay. Um. At, okay. A- as you're going to as you're going to do, uh, uh, yeah, uh, Rangra, make your uh, make your save for the nightcap real quick because things are gonna pop off here in a second.
3: Oh yeah. So what's the save for that? Is it a? Uh, it's constitution... Yeah, constitution.
0: Con save, I'm good at those. Not that time, though. It's a 14.
3: It's not save.
2: Okay. All right. Okay, so, uh... Rangram, as this nightcap explodes in your face and, like, you start to kind of, like, feel tired and, like, start to, like... you, You start to feel yourself kind of falling unconscious... Uh, you have you hear just like I think it puts your defenses down I think that as you're falling asleep your defenses drop for just like you know kind of like the whatever mental defenses that stonewall you've had you know thinking about your family and thinking about everything else that's going that's been going on and you just hear this thunderous voice barrel through your mind that just says why
0: and grim
4: I've given you everything
2: and just like just, rips your mind apart and i need you to make me a wisdom saving throw with disadvantage
0: well i'm about to kill melvin
1: you do get my plus four four. that's all i
3: remind you of
0: with disadvantage yep that's sick i rolled a two and a four so that is going to be a 14
2: uh, yes. So as Rangrim is falling unconscious, I think I think I think, uh, think Rangrim falls unconscious, and you're just like you you like you hear this in your head, and like you just like you feel that like eye that you've seen in your dream. Just like it just blares within your like within your inner mind vision, and you guys watch Rangrim's eyes go black as he's kind of like falling backwards, and then kind of catches himself. And uh, his hand is still on that block. What do you do, Glenn?
3: Uh, without even hesitating. But given a little style point, a little bit of a flourish, uh, Glenn just drops the, this freshly sharpened scimitar just straight for the line that he aimed. And for the sake of mechanics, I would definitely be using, since we're like kind of in combat-esque, I'd be using yep. the steady aim. So okay. I couldn't move after this event for right. one round.
2: Uh just roll me a uh roll me an attack with I guess with advantage then.
3: Oh yeah. I rolled an eighteen and a nineteen. So twenty seven.
2: Glenn, your aim is absolutely true. So as Rangrim, like kind of like Rangrim goes goes to Sleepy Town and is having real bad dreams. As this uh, this deity of his, this patron, uh, is just like it doing its last ditch effort to try to convince him not to sever that connection. You bring this thing down, and shit gets fucking weird really quickly. You bring this thing down on his hand, and it severs. And then there's an explosion of what I can only say is just, like, blood. It, You see this thing, like, burst out from Ranger's hand. Rangar, you're kind of thrown backwards. Your eyes, like, I think that you wake up pretty quickly. You're, like, whatever was in your head, you feel it pull away from you. And what you guys see happen is this blood that spurts out from between, and I'm so sorry for anyone who's squeamish about blood, because it's going to (laughs) get a little bit weird for a second. You see it kind of start extending and like multiplying, and like this blood is growing, and this, what ends up happening is this, before you pretty quickly, there is a, what I can only describe as a creature that has come out of his arm. It's still connected to Rangrim's stump, and you can see that where the creature's hand would be, its right hand is actually Rangrim's hand, which is shining with that same orange light. And in the center of this creature's face is another one of those bright orange eyes. But this creature is a com- completely made out of blood and is about six to seven feet and is literally like genie-esque coming out of his his hand stump and is hovering above you uh, while Ranger, you're kind of laying on your back on the ground, fully awake now and not being controlled by anything as this thing is kind of subsided from your mind. But you are now faced with this uh, blood golem-esque figure in front of you.
1: Seeing seeing this like thing erupt out of him, like going really badly, uh, Cosmo is going to quickly take his weapon out and swing in with a, uh, a lightning smite.
2: Okay. Um, are you aiming for anything in particular or trying to hit the thing itself?
1: Hit the, the blood itself.
2: Okay. I, I didn't know. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, yeah. Roll. Uh, so we are going to, uh, we're going to defo go into combat here. So, uh, roll me some initiative and, oh. uh, I will, I'll do that as a, a, you can get a surprise round with that attack.
3: Okay. Uh, initiative. <laughs> what the I fuck? Love, I love the image of Rangram like, <laughs> guiding bolt. <laughs> Just like at the end of his arm. Like,
2: yeah we're gonna have a little we're gonna have a couple mechanics um uh, <laughs> that's sh- hilarious there's uh there's gonna be some mechanics going on here because uh i mean he is still bleeding out currently so uh it init-
0: spells through that hand
3: at itself <laughs> 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 i use its body as my focus uh 21 for my initiative
2: okay
4: my
1: initiative's really bad it's a three i got a 14 okay thank god for an initiative for a surprise round
2: uh yeah what'd you get cosmo for my initiative a three okay gotcha um melvin surprisingly rolled worse than you so he's gigantic that makes sense is poe
3: <laughs> in this or no no pose poe got destroyed by the trolls right he
2: did okay um and glenn. okay uh glenn unsurprisingly uh you are up first but we can uh yeah, unsurprisingly, you can go.
1: Do we, no. When do I do the surprise round? That's- oh,
2: sorry. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Uh, yeah, Cosmo, go first.
1: Okay. So, um I so I'm coming in with a, an attack. Do you want me to just mm-hmm. roll an attack? Is that where I'm at? Like Yeah. Roll me an attack? I feel so blindsided by this combat. I'm just like, "Wait, what <laughs> yeah, how is do I do on? this?" Yeah. <laughs> how do I do this again? Okay, so all right. So I'll roll an attack and then I'll ask questions. Um right, okay. A twenty-one to hit.
2: Awesome. Yes, uh, that d- definitely hits.
1: Okay. Um, and then, so I was hitting it with a lightning smite, um, but I don't want it to jump. I don't want it to jump around.
2: That's fine. Um, yeah. So you'll just just do your regular uh, just do your regular smite damage then.
1: Okay. Okay. All right. Um, all right. So I do do twenty-two points of damage.
2: Dang, yeah. Um, Okay, so I think, yeah, I think you smash it with this Warhammer and, like, lightning crackles, uh, and you get really close to it, kind of like, uh, you know, as as blood is probably a, uh, probably conducts electricity a little bit, uh, being a fluid, I think that it kind of rocks through it. I think you get a little bit of a spark, Rangrim, but not too much, not enough to actually take damage from it. Uh, But yeah, you said 22 damage? Yeah. Okay. Um, Yeah, so I think that this thing shrieks, as you do that, and says, "You think you can survive without me?" And Glenn, it is your turn. Jeez. Uh, so Glenn,
3: you know, fully prepped for the loss of a limb and not prepped for whatever the hell is currently happening. I think our py's would be pretty shocked as to what he's currently seeing. So I'm gonna use my action because I've I've lost my speed because I used steady aim on the last one i'm going to use my action to move as far back as possible from this thing um so what way i picture is glenn just like chomps down with this sword <laughs> this thing just erupts blood all over the place gets sparked electricity and glenn just gonna like make as much distance as possible i'm not gonna take an attack like i i think he just tries to get the hell out of the way Whatever. the just fuck fucking out notes Rick, out real you know, quick down, just just <laughs> back pedals as fast as possible um I know there's a bunch of like furniture and whatnot through this place, mm-hmm. so Glenn's gonna try to like kind of bolster himself and maybe take his bonus action to hide if that's allowed action economy wise. Uh,
2: yeah, yeah. Whatever. I mean we're we're in
3: combat, so okay. So he's just gonna like tuck off to the side and go. Holy crap! I'm never cutting off someone's arm again. And he's, he's gonna <laughs> Trauma- hide
1: immediately, yeah. traumatized.
3: Oh, I nat twenty on my stealth, so thirty one hidden from this. Thing. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Absolutely. Um yeah, that's the end of your turn? Yeah that yeah Glenn freak the fuck (laughs) out. Uh Rangrim. So you are stats wise you are prone. Um I also uh I also need you to take um actually, Glenn, uh, how much damage would your weapon have done? Uh I can roll for it. Yeah. Uh
3: question technically did steady aim to get the advantage would i get the sneak attack damage i mean i'm not trying to hurt him right no. I'm just trying, okay i mean <laughs> like, if you want lot. to you <laughs> if you
2: want to you can but you no, no, I, would, no, no. Okay. I would probably recommend against it
3: i just wanted to be good about it 10 damage total okay are you looking around, oh, i'm sorry i rolled the wrong dice and uh, eight eight damage eight
2: damage okay <laughs> um you also take six damage um, of, like, as you, like, of, as you're just feeling blood loss. Like, you're starting to, like, you're, you're going to take bleeding damage until you figure out how to stop this from being connected to you. Um, and you're currently prone. So, uh, and you have one hand that you can use.
0: And, and at 20 HP. Oof. Uh, you guys are going to accidentally kill me this time. Um, okay so it's actually my turn correct mm-hmm. uh so i'm gonna stand up right off okay. the rip that's that's there's half my movement yep. um and it's like tendrils of blood are still like coming directly it, from my forearm right like they're it's literally
2: it. like a fight it's like a, you have a hose coming out of you but blood's coming out of that
0: <laughs> okay what the fuck? okay uh no one told me how to do this in cleric school. There was this, I missed this day. Right. In health class.
3: This might be our, my favorite fight we've ever done. Just a blood, a blood like monster.
0: <laughs> well, Rangram is just going to even see if he um, is able to, but just gr- grabbing my arm, mm-hmm. I'm going to focus as much any magic that I can into it and try and cast Cure Wounds at second level.
2: Okay. Yes. Yes. Um, I need you to make me a a religion check.
0: That was not good. That is a nine.
2: Okay. Um, Yes. I think that, uh, I think that that is like you are, you're trying super hard and you're trying to like, basically close off this wound and i think you're able to get it to do it a little bit i'm not going to take a spell from you and i'm not going to take your action but you kind of get it to like you can see that the the funnel whatever like the end of your wrist partially heals over and it's about like half the dimension the width of like where the blood is still coming out of now like it's kind of you can see like it's partially healed the end of your wrist but it's not all the way closed yet at this point but i'm not gonna take your action or anything else from you so you still have your turn
0: okay um and so we're in this, this workshop area mm-hmm. is there an active like lit forge
2: yes there's probably one within, uh, within 10 feet of you
0: realizing that didn't do immediately do the trick Rangrim is now plunging his uh, blood golem spewing stump into roll, the fire
2: roll me a uh, yeah, roll me an athletics check to drag this thing over there
0: a heck of a lot better. Oh, it's only a plus three, so that makes a 15.
2: Okay. Um, I think that that's enough. I think that this thing is kind of in the air. It's kind of like on the ground. It's kind of like floating in the air, and it seems to be like above the ground, so like it's kind of weightless, but it seems to be resisting you, And uh, but you're able to pull it over uh, and get it to the point where your hand is above the forge. How do you do this?
0: Um... <clears throat> Rangrum would literally just like, probably almost unconscious from his blood loss, just shouts blood and fire and just sticks his arm directly into the forge.
2: Amazing. As you, I think, as you do that, this thing just screams and the, the it becomes disconnected from you. And as it does, it almost like that connection, that tendril that was pull, that was pulling from you, kind of like pulls back into itself, and now is like created this this full blown like just. I I think like it is demon-esque in kind of like style with these like long claws coming off of it that are all obviously made out of blood on the one side and then your hand as its hand on the other and it's just like this kind of like tendrils of blood coming out of this like kind of genie-esque tail it has on it and this like massive head with this like gaping wide mouth that's just like blood dripping and then like the emblazoned red eye in the center of its face Uh, and your hand dives into this this forge and just like you feel pain and take only one damage i think because of your uh which i guess you have resistance to fire so i think you take zero damage from that but you plunge your your hand into this like uh i probably like i don't know like how far are you going Uh, are you trying to be careful not to go super deep
0: no he wouldn't be very careful i think at this moment it's more just like shock and he's just yeah. putting enough force yep. behind it he's trying to get the deed done yep. and not being too careful okay
2: uh yeah you were able to sever this connection and as this thing screeches and kind of pulls itself into all together now at this point and it is kind of floating in the air uh maybe 10 feet away from you and uh your hand you pull it out and it is like i mean it's it's burned it's it's charcoal but it is cauterized at this point and uh yeah I think um, is there anything you want to do I, I, I still think that you can get a spell action if you'd like
0: well with that if I can Ring Room is going to kind of spin around and I'm going to second level guiding bolt
2: at my own hand floating attached to the blood monster hell yes awesome uh, yeah roll me roll me that attack my guy
0: so that's a 17
2: you don't need our cleric beef in it today no. 17, that hits, that absolutely 17. hits
3: Do you point that's with your is. nub? You <laughs> nub that's like what you've been used to, right? Like you're pointing with your nub, right?
0: Uh, that's what you've yeah. always used before I've always been using my right hand So
3: it's <laughs> Like a like an ashy, charcoal freshly-
0: <laughs> Scorched nub Oh, that's a lot of sex Like
3: a scorchy,
1: charred Mega Man blood hand Oh my god <laughs> That's a mental picture for you
0: 27
3: he throws Mm -hmm. his hand out and like a blood splatter hits cosmo in the
2: face (laughs) (laughs) uh dude yeah 27 damage that uh, i think that yeah what does this look like as you as you blast this hand
0: so ringram after shouting blood and fire pulling his arm from the forge he's just kind of aiming at his own hand and i imagine it kind of Breaks any of uh, the little bit of healing that was done on his forearm in the cauterizing, and as mm-hmm. it fires, the guiding bolt from it. There's like a definitely a little bit of blood splatter
4: mm-hmm.
0: that fires out and maybe hits Cosmo adjacently or <laughs> when wherever he's hiding.
2: Yeah, that's that's rad. I think that you nail. I think you you just hit this hand too, and I think that I honestly think that you see. I, I think you you blast your own severed hand kind of uh, apart Um, I think that it just like blows it off the end of this creature's arm Um, and I think that it is just like it screeches and looks down at its arm which is now like its own sub kind of mimicking you uh, looking down at its like missing arm and then kind of like whips its head over towards you and kind of like drops to the ground and starts kind of like crawling in your direction Rangram and is just screeching at you why?
0: My group's just like slowly like backing up after like that whole thing. But if uh, you, some help will be appreciated, boys. Osmo, it's your oh, turn. Okay, good.
2: I was like, I'm sorry. Actually, no, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. It's actually the blood creature's turn. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I thought it was your turn. I'm I sorry so. to I give, like, like, give you this like, give you the pump fake there. Please, please, no, please, I know. No, I know.
3: Next. Let um, him smash the head. <laughs> I, I was gonna heal him.
2: Uh, as this thing is crawling at you, Rangrim. I don't think it's able to get to you in time, uh, but as it's screaming, uh, I need all of you to make me a uh, strength saving throw. Mm-hmm. Strength
3: saving throw? Mm-hmm. Oh, that is a gentleman's three.
1: You get a plus four for me. <laughs> gentleman's three. <laughs> that is huh.
3: a seven. Merry
0: Christmas. I get a 23. Thank you. Strength saving nice. throw.
1: It's a fifteen.
2: Okay. Not that. Big. Um. <laughs> uh, okay, so Rangram's the only one who saves. Not oh, correct. So, um. So what? <laughs> uh, what happens is, as this thing screams, uh, you all, and this is gonna be unsettling. Uh, you feel as if you are crying, and you feel like liquid is coming out of your ears as you see droplets of your own blood come out of. Your eyes and ears and fly towards this thing. Uh, and Cosmo and Glenn, you take 11 damage. Rangrim, you take five um, as this thing basically by osmosis pulls blood out of you to heal itself. Oh my God.
3: This is why Glenn does not spend a lot of time with dwarves <laughs> like this happens. <laughs> this is some dwarf shit. <laughs>
2: Um, and, uh, Cosmo, it is now your turn.
1: Recognizing, like, now that this thing is, like, disconnected, uh, he's really gonna just, he's not, like, gonna smash. Like, so, uh, he's gonna smash. He gonna, smash. It, he gonna <laughs> smash. Uh, is it, like, floating? You said it dropped No, to the it, it
2: dropped to the ground, and it's crawling, kind of, like, it's, it's, like, pulling itself towards Rangram at this time.
1: Got it. And you said one of his hands went away?
2: Yeah, it's it's like stumped on the ground. I mean, this thing is like fluid in nature, so it's kind of like it's giving itself form, but like as it's grabbing across the ground, like it's leaving like a blood trail as if it's dragging itself. Got so it. it's.
1: I guess it's like playing whack-a-mole with this thing then. Um, and uh, it's going to run over and uh, again, you're going to see that same lightning come out of Cosmo's uh, hammer as mm-hmm. he Tries to whack this thing, uh, zap it. Little zappy boy action. Uh, that is a twelve to hit.
2: Uh, that does not hit, my guy.
1: Dang it! That is a sixteen to hit.
2: That does hit.
3: Uh, uh, good, quick, co- good job. Quick question: Would it technically be prone, which would give him advantage?
2: No, I don't think that it would be prone.
3: Follow up question Would it be, would he have advantage because of guiding bolt? Uh, yes, he would. Yeah, re-roll, reroll that first one. Okay. Rogues are always hunting advantage.
4: That's <laughs> <laughs> what we do. <laughs>
1: All right, cool. Good deal. Oh, that one definitely passes. That is a 24.
2: Yes. Uh, awesome. So you hit with both attacks.
1: Okay. Um, BK, will you do me. The honors of recording. I got your language. math. I got you. Thank you. Ready? Let's party. Party. All right. Six. Five. Four.
3: Three. Three. <laughs> one. Wow! Just get a two, and you'll you'll round the bases. <laughs> blast off. Uh, two. <laughs> yes, seven, <you> did it. <laughs> and eight. You've literally gotten all the numbers. I have gotten yep, all of
2: them. Yep. Holy shit.
3: Eight and five. Uh plus eight. Was that was that eight, eight, and then five? No, it was two eight five. Two eight five, gotcha. Plus eight. So that's so 49, forty-nine damage. Forty-nine. Forty-nine.
1: Do forty-nine damage.
2: Okay. You smash down on this thing as it's just like tearing its way towards Rangrim screaming. Why is you're like feeling blood pulled out of your body through your ears and eyes and nose and uh, run like kind of partially blinded this thing and smash it with your hammer twice. Uh, and just like seeing this like lightning just radiating through it. And I think as you hit it, like the blood displaces like it kind of comes back together, but you hit it twice. Um, and still crackling with this energy as it kind of screeches. Um, and, I mean, it seems like it's still kind of locked on Rangrim at this time, trying to get to him. But uh, it is... Uh, you have absolutely uh, damaged it. It seems like you've kind of disturbed the whatever, like, surface tension keeps this blood together a little bit.
4: Um.
3: Would you say that it's bloody? <laughs> it's always it is, it's been it's, bloodied
2: it's bloodied, sin- bloodied since birth but no it is absolutely the, me- the mechanism of bloodied
3: bloodied since birth is the best like hardcore band like that is a great hardcore band name it's very good um, i'm that, here for it
1: that is my
4: turn
2: okay that is gonna bring us uh melvin who just like I think I think he was taken a little bit off guard by it at first, but then I think he raises up that hammer and just run like kind of clumps over and just start just brings that thing down right alongside you and rolls a nat twenty.
4: Good old oh, Melvin. That's oh,
3: Melvin, my boy. How do you want to do this, John? <laughs>
2: um, he is yeah. So he that's eleven. Uh, that's eleven damage from Melvin as he brings this hammer down on it. Uh, and uh, just like I think that he hits like pretty close to where Cosmo hit uh, he doesn't kill it but like he definitely like this thing that's a heavy blow that makes this creature uh not very happy but it's still still trying to crawl its way towards Rangrim and it's like getting lower on the ground I think at this time like I think he's he, it's getting like almost more to a crawl than like a, than it was before and it's getting much lower in that blood trail it seems like it's leaving more of that blood behind it now as it's kind of losing its form. And that's going to bring us to Glynn. Uh, well,
3: Glynn having his blood stolen and seeing everyone beat the crap out of a pile of blood uh, feels a lot more empowered than he did before. So he's going to hop kind of over the table that he was hiding behind or like mm-hmm. the worker's bench he was hiding behind. And he's going to, he still has scimitar in one hand and he's going to mm-hmm. put a hand on Joro's rapier and he's going to throw it out in front of him. He's going to go, Joro. Let's go, and it's going to turn yep. sentient. And the focus is he wants Joro's rapier to impale the eye on the hand, as the same time as he brings Adna's scimitar down on the eye on its face, and he wants to pierce both magic eyes at the same time.
2: Okay, um, I'll say the hand has been. I, I don't. So I, I think it originally, uh, I kind of made it sound like the hand was destroyed. The hand was blown off of the off of the arm of this creature and is kind of laying against uh, like in at some other in some other place i thought it was
3: got it i thought it was attached to it
2: it has a huge eye on its actual face Uh, like in the center of its face It has basically like a massive eye that's mimicking the one that was on the hand
3: okay then yeah i mean same same thing still applies glenn is going to have joro's rapier Mm -hmm. pierce it from one
4: side
3: (laughs) side and just attack the giant glowing magic source Okay. Yeah. Um, for that, do either of those get advantage? Because technically, it would be sneak attack for probably Glynn's. Because I was hit. Um.
2: Yeah, that's fine. I think that's fine. Um, it okay. is. I did. I did confirm it is immune to being prone, so it cannot be prone.
3: Oh. <laughs> nice. Okay. How? Okay, how? That's amazing. It's just a puddle. Okay.
2: Um, I I will post this into the Discord after that yeah, because
3: really it's a fucking this thing is.
2: radical monster.
3: I just want to see the picture for it. So oh, for it's, it's very dope. Joro's sentient rapier is a twenty-seven to hit, mm-hmm. and then for glenn's I rolled two thirteen, so a twenty-one on those. Okay. Uh, yes. For both. Yes, both those hit. Sweet. Okay, I'll do Joro's mm-hmm. first. So that's eight damage out of Joros, and then I need a whole bunch of D6s. For the Scimitar, uh, that's going to be nine plus... Oh, wow, it's a terrible roll. Uh, 13, 17, so 21 damage total from the two attacks.
2: Um, yeah, I, so you stab it through the eye. And like, as you do that, it kind of like seems to like, it is so like, it's losing its form and it's just like, kind of like things that like these tendrils of blood are just kind of like wiggling off it and wilding out in every single direction. Like its hands are kind of losing form and its face is losing form. It's like almost like the bottom of the jaw, this thing drops off of it and the eye that seems to be like the magical focus. Like, it seems like it's been partially broken and Rangram, as you're looking at the things that's coming towards you, you're getting kind of flashbacks more from like it not having this kind of like the same like hard symbol of an eye that like the, you know, the, the kind of ovular outline with like the circle in the center. It now is like almost burning outwards from where it's been torn apart by this rapier, much more reminiscent of that eye you've seen in your dreams. Um, But yeah, it is still it is still up and is still coming towards Rangrim. uh, But this thing is like seems like it is falling apart uh, and is leaving most of itself behind it as it's just like what the half of it that's remaining is just like screeching towards Rangrim uh, and still screaming that long drawn out why Rangrim it's your turn.
0: Well, Rangrim seeing all the damage it's taken as it's crawling towards him, just saying why and it's still like crawling towards him. Uh, Mm -hmm. Rangrim is going to stand up and say well if you want me so badly you want Rangrim? You get Rangrim and he's going to run and jump to put the point or the bottom of the barricade shield Mm -hmm. directly on top of it as he casts heat metal on it while he's holding
2: it yes amazing amazing Uh, yeah Roll, roll that
3: yeah, roll how, do, how do you roll that, DM? Please
4: describe.
2: Roll those things. I think that um, I think that for this, I, I think that roll roll whatever you would do for heat metal, um, and add a uh, roll and add an extra D six for that shield damage, plus whatever your uh, you would get for that added to a weapon attack. Okay. Okay. Just because I love this so much, I think that it's so uh, an
0: improvised weapon. Amazing. It would just be a D four. I think would if I just attacked the shield. Yeah. Um, I well, yeah, so I think that would yeah. be a D4. yeah. Well, that's great. So, that's that's actually that is a hearty seven just from the shield and heat metal. Oh, that's perfect. Uh, that is 15 from heat metal plus 15. And what
3: did I say for the shield was another so 19 or sorry, yeah, plus seven, so 26.
2: Uh, yeah, that so rank. I, I, you dive, uh, I think that that. This is what does it. You, like, run at it, like, yelling, you know, that, (laughs) you know, if they want Rangrim, they're going to get Rangrim and dive. So you superheat this shield, this bright orange, just kind of bearing through it with your kind of Durgar resistance to heat and just slam this thing down as it looks up with you with that kind of, like, torn, burning eye that you've seen so many times in your nightmares. And you bury the point of the shield directly down into the center of that iris and it just, like, you watch that eye split in half, and as it just continues to scream that why, I think this whole thing just explodes and covers the entire room and everyone around in blood. Um, And Rangrim, you kind of land uh, with a kind of, like, heavy landing on the ground, uh, and this thing that you've seen in your nightmares, uh, it seems like you have... Uh, banished whatever this form of it was
0: was, I think there's definitely like a good awkward pause in the room because we're now all just sitting there
2: dripping you can just hear the ambient sounds of like blood dripping from the ceiling and the walls and everyone
0: oh and um, I just wanted to add that it looks like carry I would have taken half the damage from that heat metal okay So that would have put me at a whopping eight hit points right now. (laughs) I almost killed myself with that one.
3: Lynn's like dripping blood. And he kind of looks around and is like, I'm really glad I never put my white robes back on. Starts like wiping it off of him. Like that was a a really aggressive hand you had there, Rangrim. Glad we got that out of you, I guess. How do you feel?
0: Rangrim's like kind of like lightheaded. But whoa. My head doesn't hurt as much as you would think it does. I, I actually kind of feel better and like really close to dying at the same time. Um, all the stuff that I thought might happen, I definitely can tell you that that was not even on my radar at all. That was not how I
1: expected that to happen at all. And yeah. uh he comes over to like lift Rangrim up as he uh, casts uh, cure wounds on him. So sweet.
2: How does that embody, um, like, how do you, like, what does that do, I guess, your hand, Rangrim? Like, how, like, your, your stump currently at this time, like, how does that uh, kind of manifest that cure wounds?
4: Well,
0: I imagine that, well, some of the, it almost like the charring on the end of my stump kind of just falls to the ground as it looks like mm-hmm. some scar tissue starts to build up on it as. Some of the dried blood just kind of dissipates.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Less uh, in danger of dying from bleeding out at this point. You also get
1: uh, a solid 20 HP. Beautiful.
2: Yep. Um, I think as you're being healed, Rangrim, I think you're starting to kind of like feel like you feel better, like and you're starting to feel like just in general, like your whole body, obviously you get 20 HP back, you're feeling better. But then you're also like, you're realizing that like, you have realized how bad you felt for like a while. Like there's been a weight on you more, even more since you've been like traveling, getting closer to this place, like with your plan of like, what I'm going to do when you get here. But like, it's just like, you just feel like this relief and that pain that like, anger that's been in the back of your head i think you may not have i don't know if you would have realized like or you're now realizing what a weight it had been putting on you for so long uh but that weight is gone like it's you don't feel that anymore and you feel better than you have in a very long time
0: well i mean aside from like Rangrim like goes to like lift something up like he goes to like pick up a shield and he goes oh um Picks it up with his left hand. So aside from um the obvious thing, I, I actually don't feel that bad. Like, uh, you guys ever realize you've been sick for a long time, but only because you weren't sick for like re- really quickly? It's kind of hard to put into words, but um, I-, I think we should just uh, you know crack on with um fixing you know this, and he just holds up his stump and he's like you're all right there yeah, um melvin and just looks over at this blood splatter yeah, towards, of he's just kind of standing there took a swing at this thing and is just like probably still in a daze
2: i i've seen some things in my day but that is quite new for me yes i as i said i didn't know what kind of enchantments or evils were within that symbol but i believe that whatever we were dealing with is seemingly now gone. And I believe that we would be safe to continue and to try to remedy the situation you now find yourself in.
0: Oh, well, that, that would be great. And I, I apologize for all the blood everywhere. We, we didn't think that was going to happen. And we kind of do this a lot.
2: Yeah, it's you- unfortunately true. You fight blood yeah. demons often.
0: Unforeseen consequences of our actions. And you think we'd learn, but we don't.
2: It's it's quite all right. There's, aside from myself here, there are some, nope, oh, there they are. And he's kind of looking down and you see these small, uh, like they seem to come out of little flaps in the sidewall, but they're these small, like little spider-esque automatons that are kind of coming out of the sidewall. And you can see them starting to like uh not like so much as like sweeping but they seem to be kind of like burning away uh whatever like distritis is all along the ground like they're like they have little tiny flamethrowers on them that are like burning uh burning this like blood that's like all over the ground and kind of awesome. like then you can see ones coming behind that are kind of like scraping it up uh and and cleaning uh, up the kind of dried material how how many of those do you have <laughs> <laughs> I think that you probably see like, they're probably no more than like six inches and these little like spider-like creatures. You can probably see a good like 20 of them that are kind of moving about the space. It's going to take them a bit, I think.
3: Do those, uh, like in Melvin, do those like come with the place or did you make those yourself?
2: These have been here as for long as I've been here. I don't know originally when they were created, but they are of ancient Dwarven make. I, I don't know their original creator, but I would assume that it was... Someone, one of the craftsmen who practice here or kept the place in the past.
3: I uh, Glenn would take this time to scan the different uh, like crafting stations and see mm-hmm. if there's any literature, any books, any schematics, any oh. blueprints.
2: Absolutely, uh, there are. I think that in each of these sections, you can see that there are uh, like. You know what, actually, I think that in one of the areas, I think that there is a massive like a few bookcases worth of just these like leather bound tomes. I think that like a good uh, I would probably say that like good four to five bookcases worth of these like leather bound tomes. And as you're kind of looking at them, you're seeing that they're all of similar make uh, and they are all kind of like have a, a similar design where they have like they look like they have a name written down the spine of each of these books. Or some sort of words, uh, probably written in Say, Are they all
3: in Dwarvish? Yeah. <laughs> Son of a uh, bitch.
1: Cosmo just kind of like, would maybe thinking to himself, or maybe he would wonder, you know, say it out loud, say it out loud of, was it finally over? And would uh, cast divine
2: sense on the room? Okay. Um yes. I think that... Uh, so what does that do?
1: Um, Read me did, your spell. Sure thing. You can detect good and evil. Until the end of my next turn, I can sense anything affected by the hollow spell mm-hmm. or know the location of any celestial fiend or undead. Um,
2: yeah. Okay. You get two things. Rangrim is a uh, fiend. Probably. You get, you get two things. Um you immediately get the sense that a sense of an undead from Melvin. uh, And you also still very strongly sense uh, some sort of aberration magic coming from Rangrim.
1: An aberration?
2: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Elaborate. I don't know. I don't
2: aberration uh from just because we have we've looked into aberration uh in the past um and aberrations are things that are not of the natural world so that is uh you know aboliths, that is beholders that is mind players that is things there that didn't originate that
0: show themselves to me and nobody else so that, that good, is guys. we can just pack up and go back to ten ten.
2: That's what you get is, is something that is unnatural, something that doesn't doesn't come from your plane of existence.
0: Uh, Cosmo, you went a little quiet there after you just did your whole spell thing. We're good, right? And he just holds a stump up like you would give him a thumbs up. Oh, uh,
3: uh, Glenn casts uh, Mage Hand and gives him a thumbs up. <laughs> Like from his thumb, like at the end of his stunt. <laughs> 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 it's a little I'm purple, little purple thumb.
2: <laughs> the end of Terminator 2. Exactly.
1: Ben you, you know, I, I always try to be honest, but in this case, I'm, I'll be honest. I'm, I'm not sure there's still something abnormal about your being.
3: I mean that's not that's not entirely a bad thing, right? We we don't or you don't fully know where this power's coming from. I mean, I I think like best case scenario, you at least have whatever the hell that was out of your body. So you said you feel better.
0: Well, I definitely feel better. That's for sure. I mean, if I have that thing crawling around in my guts all this time, I'm but bound it, to give you some indigestion.
1: It definitely was f- trying to keep you from cutting off the hand it wasn't happy that we did it but there's still something abnormal just on you like in your being i i don't really know what that means but
0: yeah Uh, more questions that um we need answers for definitely that's that's also part of the course for us i think yeah
1: i think uh the good thing to know right now is is that you feel better and uh let's get that hand attached and we'll figure it out
0: yeah if we could fix this thing i mean glenn i appreciate the the purple hand and stuff but i I don't like the idea of you being able like i already had something else trying to control me i definitely don't want you having control over my hand uh, the hand flips Cosmo off. That wasn't even me, or was it? I it make my eye lot. go black for a
3: second? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. That was bad timing. <laughs> well, uh, Melvin, I think I think you're up, and I'll see if I can't help with some of the the finer details. But this is the brunt of the work. This one's on you.
2: Okay. Um, just so we don't get too grotesque here with how this goes. I think we're gonna do kind of like a, we're gonna do some rolls and then we're just gonna kind of do a, you know, a, 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 you know, a, jump, a jump cut to uh, the final result just so we don't have to get to uh, a Surgeon Simulator on this thing. <laughs> um, yes, so I'm gonna roll for Melvin. Uh, Glenn, I need you to roll me a, the tinkering check with advantage. Neat. I think if there's really any really other like.
3: way I can give myself bonuses. Uh, uh, Rangrim, if there's any time for you to call on your god and give me a little bit of uh, extra juice, now would be the time to do it. Oh. I have
0: faith in you, bud, and I'm going to tap him on the knee and cast guides. There we go. Okay, uh,
2: Roll me a religion oh. check, Rangrim.
3: Oh, no. Oh, oh. Rangrim you can't it's cast cocked. things anymore. It's cocked.
0: Well, that's even better how's a
3: six
2: I think that I think that it still goes off um, but I think that you feel the spells feel a little different they they don't feel like as at the ready as they were before um, but like your spell still goes off and it has the same potency it just feels like you're like it feels like it's coming from a further away place than it was
3: uh, I did great 24 uh, 25- four for tinkering.
2: Okay. Uh, awesome. That's amazing. That combined with Melvin's natural 20 that he rolled. My um man. I think that I think that this is what how it happens. I think that uh, actually uh, constitution check from Rangram, I think with advantage too, because you've already cauterized it and it's already kind of you're 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 into it at this point. Double con, 18s. Like, con saving throw. Okay. Awesome. Uh, yeah, I think that you're able to Absolutely, kind of like grit through this as they're working on it. I think it's a little bit uncomfortable, but I think that you know getting your hand cut off is much more uncomfortable <laughs> than that. So, the hose
1: was nothing. Just the I think you,
2: I think you put your hand down on this on this bench and they kind of strap your your wrist into it as they start working on it, and they are able to like. Basically, removing the components to the point like the parts of the arm to like make it the right so you don't have like super longer arm on one side than the other. I mean, that's maybe as cool as that could be, unless that's what you want. To, do you want to keep them like keep them about the same? Yeah,
0: I want my arms to be the same. Like,
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, never thought yeah. I'd have
0: to, cl- to say that in a game of DD. <laughs> and that's why I love d so
2: much. It's the best. I I, I swear that D and D breeds uh, sentences that have never ex- in, in, in the world ever existed in uh, fully new things in all realities and parallel universes. Uh, you uh, they're they're able to pull it to the right, like get this hand to the right length and get this thing attached. And I think as uh, as Melvin is like channeling this um, this energy, kind of like doing this like arcane spell which he's uh he's reciting over the top of your hand. Um you can see that the it seems like the uh it, it's kind of like pulling in the skin itself is kind of starting to form to it and as he's kind of doing that, he turns to glenn uh and goes glenn I need you to make and try to do some of the more intricate attachments and uh he pops a little uh the little like I uh, probably to like the little openings on it that kind of like exposes the inner workings uh and we don't have to get too gory with what glenn's connecting but i think that you are able to kind of connect it to some of the more organic components uh, within rangrim's arm the muscles and the ligaments and tendons and things like that as well as the bone and as he as you're doing that you can see that it's actually like the magic that he is viewing over it is actually starting to like they're forming around it and actually connecting to these like inorganic components and after like a relatively short period of time like which is probably like seems like a bajillion years for Glynn and for Melvin likely um, I think that Melvin's uh, stops channeling his spell and uh, kind of steps away and goes well our work is done here the only thing we can do now is see if it's been successful Randgrim will you be so kind as to use your hand
0: well um yeah and then gonna, he's gonna stand up and you know do one of these like moving all of his fingers like immediately in front of his face
2: I think that you do that and with a very satisfying clink 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 uh your hands i think it's it might take a little bit of getting used to as far as like dexterity goes but um i don't know if you need to be making any uh of hand checks with specifically that one hand in the immediate future but i think that it you while you can't feel. well actually no you know what because of the magic that was that was imbued on i'll say you can feel um it's extended your living essence to this inorganic hand uh and you can feel with this hand
0: interesting awesome
1: I was wondering what the dark steel effect on it gonna be mm.
2: that is something that we're still gonna have to find out i don't think you know what the dark steel effect is yet um no. but i will say that this this dark steel does have like this kind of like chaotic magic to it and uh i promise that at some point we will find it out also you do have the hidden blade in it so uh i don't know if you remember that or not
0: I f- nope i forgot i about forgot that. about that one
2: sure. so all you need to do is kind of bend the wrist down and that blade can come shooting out at your will uh, i'll say that's probably a good like eight inch blade that comes kind of out of the wrist the wrist component of it and it's probably it's like a nice flat leaf like wide leaf blade that sticks out about eight inch- eight inches
0: and that was a uh, Madge originally put that into the blade right yep regrim's gonna be like twiddling his fingers and then Cock his wrist and it's gonna fly out. He's like, oh, Holy mad, you're freaking awesome! Look at, my, look at my thing. Hey, Glenn, sword fight me.
3: Uh, two things one, Glenn, <laughs> Glenn, when he was configuring the fingers, switched the thumb and the middle finger. So, whenever it's <laughs> the thumbs up, he's flipping someone off. Whenever he flips someone off, it gives him the thumbs up. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Glenn, Glenn throws out Joro's rapier. Uh, Joro, I, don't have time for this and let's Joro fence Rangroom. Uh yeah, Rangroom roll now you're me. Fighting uh, a sentient sword. <laughs> roll me an attack.
0: Eighteen.
2: Awesome. Uh, uh,
4: yeah. I
0: don't know what kind of modifier I would get for my hidden hand blade.
2: Uh I think it would be the same as like a short sword.
0: Okay, so it'd just be probably like uh, proficiency D6. plus uh yeah.
2: D six, yeah.
0: Cool. One damage.
2: <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah, I think that I, I think that you're like able to kind of like fence this thing off, fighting uh, fighting this Joro uh, this Joro rapier, uh, and feeling very confident in like the dexterity of this. this blade also like it's it's a pretty like beefy blade so like it's it's going to do more slashing damage as opposed to like this very kind of thin rapier blade that you're fighting back against but you feel very confident in the uh in the abilities of this new hand and arm
3: awesome looks over to melvin goes we uh we did great work we should you know maybe think about broadening our horizons maybe you know offering a service we'll work on like naming like melvin glenn's like you know fabricated hand service there's something there we'll (laughs) we'll work on it but we've learned that marketing's everything we'll we'll catch up on it but i don't know about you guys i don't normally get tired but i'm exhausted i don't think we've gotten any sleep since we one dropped a demon and two dropped a hand demon so melvin you have any place around here that we might be able to catch some sleep
2: of course, upstairs there are lodgings for the pilgrims that would travel here in the past. It might be a bit dusty. I haven't had need for sleep in some time and haven't used the room, but you are more than welcome to utilize the above space.
0: I think that's a good idea. I mean, I know I said I felt a lot better, which I do, but um, oh, I could st- I could still use like a good sleep that nap uh, earlier. I uh, didn't do too much.
3: <laughs> I I can tell why. I I remember the whole running away, and it was all bad. It's been a long day.
1: Yeah, but definitely a long day. Definitely. I'm wiped.
3: Melvin, you mind if I uh, take some of this to maybe read up on? Maybe uh, learn some dwarven secrets while I'm here?
2: Of course. Uh, as long as they don't leave... As long as they don't leave the uh, the forge, then you are more than welcome. These are the chronicles of the master craftsmen who have been here in the past. Uh, they It is their learnings and, and their life's work. So please, please do not take them with you.
4: Glenn
3: is going to grab the book because he can't read Dwarvish.
2: Yeah, than. I think that there's different, gonna, definitely different sections, but you don't know which section you're grabbing from.
3: Glenn's going to grab the book that looks the most tinkery so
4: maybe uh, like roll.
3: flipping through some pages like looking for some like things that aren't just like sword axe like thing, like looking for images that are a little more intricate
2: roll me an investigation check let's see how, how well you
4: do
3: yes <laughs> i'm gonna get the one that's like all armor <laughs> one. oh shit this is
2: good no 19 uh 25 total mm. 25 total yeah. Awesome. Uh, yeah, I think that you're able to. You find a whole section. I think that like you can see that the books are are slightly like there are different headers on like the different bookcases, and you can tell that like likely they're all like of a similar uh, discipline in each of those bookcases, and you are able to kind of actually after looking through a couple of them, you're like, no, this is armor, this is shields, this is like you know. Axes, whatever the case may be, uh, and you eventually get to one that seems to be a little bit more intricate, uh, and you are able to grab it. Here's a question: Do you grab the thickest volume, or do you grab the like thinnest, or do you grab the one in the middle? Which which one do you which you pick? Glenn would grab the one that
3: is the most worn.
2: Mm, okay.
3: Um, and probably the thickness wouldn't really matter, but like in size of like, he would basically be reaching for the one of the person that had the smallest hands and who used it the most. (laughs) So like someone who might tinker, Um, maybe a gnome. Um, Yeah. And that's what Glenn's going to take. And he is going to take the entire night and will happily risk a point of exhaustion to, be trying to transcribe this into his own book because he knows that he can't take this with him so he is going to try to copy as much of this as possible
2: because okay. i don't think he's um, gonna get
3: anything from he can't read
2: yeah roll me uh what is a transcribe i just i guess slide a hand to see how fast you can be writing oh that's pretty good
3: 24 total
2: Okay. I'll say that uh, because I think you can do that within your four hour, like where you would still get your full rest. I don't think you need to take a point of exhaustion. Hey, you're able to transcribe this. We'll, we'll figure out, um, you know, out offline. Uh, He's going to be be reading
3: this the same way you did doc. So this is not a, an immediate thing, but yeah, I mean, he can't read Dwarven. So I think the first step is to learn how to read Dwarven.
2: (laughs) Right. Um, Right, right, right. So yeah, you're transcribing runes then at this point.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It's just shapes like, They're probably not even all correct at a certain point.
2: Yeah. And I think, I think that you, I think that you've learned how to forge things in the past. like, and you're like, I think that you're able to like get at some point you're able to point. Yeah. I I I think
3: a shit ton of things. Yeah. I can letter for letter perfectly do it, but yeah, I don't know what the hell it says.
2: Yeah, exactly. I think you're able to do it. And I think you're able to do it within like four ish hours. Um, But yeah, anyway, I think that's, that's totally fine. Um, Anyone else doing anything before uh, going, going off to Betty by.
4: mm
0: no, Rengar would just be going to one of those beds or mm-hmm. cots.
2: Yeah, they're actually these like um, they're like traditional dwarf beds. So like they're like stone platforms, basically, with like these kind of like leather uh, and kind of like more hide esque uh, bed coverings on top of them. And they are absolutely dusty. Like the second you lay down, it just like like a, a, <laughs> a dust nice. cloud just kind of embodies uh, the entire area. And I think that um, I think that they are. I think they're all in one room. I don't think they're individual rooms. I think you're, you go into a room and there's like six of these kind of like side mm-hmm. by side, kind of like in the, in the same room. I think,
3: honestly, I think Glenn would either try to encourage the guys or just do it himself, but uh, Glenn would probably sleep outside considering this is like a dwarven holy land. He's not trying to uh, spend too much time in it, so he would go out with the Okay. I mean, assuming that the, he, they're safe with the donkeys, he would just set up like the king. Yeah,
2: actually, ride. two trolls ate them in the <laughs> while you guys were no, in there. Um, not allowed. Uh, <laughs> there's only the horseshoes are left. Um, no, oh, no, no, you're, you're fine. You go outside. Uh, you go outside, and uh, yeah, everything's safe and sound. Um, you, uh, I think, yeah, I think that the the, the sigil, everything is still glowing. Everything's okay. still good. Um, it's still like it's pretty late night at this point. Uh, so I, yeah, I think uh, I think you're able to get out there and. Uh, sleep out there if you'd like and kind of do yeah. your transcribing
3: he would yeah he would do like the full setup he would open up camp and mm-hmm. throw all the pillows and set out the bed and all that kind of stuff um, met, within thinking, the protective circle in the sigil yeah yeah. yeah. Um, cool. but again just trying to obey the reverence that is a dwarven for sure. holy land
2: for sure Ranger, you doing anything
0: no he would just be packing it in
2: awesome um yeah, I think I have a so I have a couple of things. Um Rangram, I think that for one thing, I think you you fall asleep pretty quickly just from like this pretty dire situation you've been in, and this kind of like level of relief you feel from you know having like finally like accomplished this thing that you've been wanting to do for a while, kind of like middle finger at whatever this thing was that was controlling you. Um, And I think you fall asleep pretty quickly. And I think that there's a difference in the way you sleep tonight, because I think for the first time in quite a long time, you sleep soundly and don't have nightmares. And I think that Rangrim gets a very good night's sleep. And I think that the things you're dreaming of are memories of your family, of like the good times of like being like studying Morden as a kid, like the wide eyed kind of, younger Rangram and these like memories that like, for whatever reason, like haven't these happier memories that haven't been able to come to the surface in quite a while. And I think you have a pretty, pretty good restful night. Awesome. And I think that this is something that you all don't see, of course, but I think this is something for the audience, something far away in this. We see this white space, this white void, and we see a small child what seems like a child on the ground kind of hunched over flowing white hair over their back with these kind of like these like kind of blackish like just like, like kind of like blackish tattered robes that they're wearing um they seem to have like this kind of darker ebony skin and they are just kind of like doubled over clearly just like sobbing uh, in like absolute sadness in this white space as it kind of echoes around um, and I think that's where we're going to end the episode tonight what <laughs> always and... something with
0: this guy <sighs> I'm so All sorry right. Why cliffhangers?
3: Oh. let's run it back like
1: cliffhangers with nothing
3: like hangers like, man
2: hey i'm gladly i'm gl- i'll gladly be the sylvester stallone of this uh you know of the dms i'll i'll leave you guys always in a cliffhanger That's
3: fine. <laughs> wow. you you lose advantage you lose <laughs> disadvantage on your away. cliffhangers
4: yeah.